0: Hi, I'm Michael Shermer, and I took a left at the valley, and that was the best turn I ever made.
1: <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, and non-believer, All its faith and unsubstantiated claims that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. I'm
0: an atheist. Coming at you from flu infected BC, this is Left of the <laughs> Valley. My name is Kevin, and my research shows that the inventor of the standard transmission was a Spanish guy called Emmanuel Shift.
2: <laughs> oh, Thank
0: you,
3: I remember him. He was great at parties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that got thrown out of math class for one too many in fractions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my
2: God.
0: If you need to build an arc, she know a guy, Nancy.
3: (laughs) Yes, I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he tried to catch some fog. He missed Scott. (laughs) Uh, And she summarized that 69% of people find something dirty in every sentence. Annette. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, welcome back. Uh, sorry Fluid about the sound infested of infested is right. Fluid-infested, yeah. yep, that's us. Gotta
3: be very careful.
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: Well, yeah. better than flea-infested.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, for, this, for the rest of the show. So, uh, today we're going to be talking to Phil Ferguson oh about boy. the whole Bitcoin thing. It's going to be very interesting. That's been in the news a lot lately, the Bitcoin, the rise and the drop. It went up up to 0.2. He went to $20,000. Wow. $50,000 for Bitcoin. Now, I think it's down to around 12000 so anyway, we'll be talking to our man of money things, He host of the aptly named Phil Ferguson show, Phil What's Ferguson, nice. another guy that crochets hats.
3: <laughs> That's right. When you go to, um, uh, uh, it's, it's not, it's not Wikipedia, Wikipedia, but when you when you Google Phil Ferguson, this guy with a crocheted hat comes up. It's not him.
0: Exactly. But first, a bit of chit-chat. Okay, did you guys hear? Let's start with something very depressing.
3: Uh, oh. that
0: four out of every five dollar generated in 2017, which means 82 percent of the wealth ended up in the hands of the one percent. And this is according uh. to Oxfam. Uh. But you're not getting a raise. You're not getting a raise. 3.7 billion people, the poorest half of the of the planet, saw absolutely no increase in their wealth this uh, this past year. So they couldn't have two ears of corn instead of one? Yeah, day? apparently. So and when Oxfam, Oxfam essentially concludes, as economies around the world today, they don't reward hard work, they reward wealth.
3: What is. I, I, suddenly my mind went black. What is Reich's first name? The guy who was labor secretary and now he's a, an activist. He's, uh, Robert, R- Robert Reich. Robert Reich has um, some Facebook uh, seminars going on mm. about. um, social change and wealth inequality and he really is a great teacher if you have a chance to catch them and he he's at um, University of Berkeley um, in, in California and the first class that he had he asked people in the classroom to um, um, vote on one of two different scenarios of of wealth, and one is the ideal, and one is how things are in reality. And when you see what people think they would like to have as wealth distribution, and then you see that one, you know, the upper one percent get, you know, so much. It it underscores the need for for social change so that there's more equality. But um, Dr. Reich does it beautifully, and he's now really on uh, on a crusade oh, to get people more aware of what's going on. Because unless people are aware and understand the situation, they won't rise up to be activists in order to change. So we have a chance. Do I wonder if it's
0: possible a, for us to get him as an interview. That would be oh, That would be interesting. Would yeah, be very, he's that would be interesting.
3: He's he's fascinating. He really is. He's just um he saw he's, he's the ball.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, funny news, you guys remember Mad Mike Hughes, the rocket man? Rocket Man. Uh-huh. He's back. Oh he's <laughs> oh, back. Oh, man. Last time he tried to launch his rocket there because he wanted to fly at an altitude, a soaring altitude of eighteen hundred feet which is in metric about 550 meters, was about the height of the CN Tower, to somehow prove uh-huh. that the Earth is flat. Uh-huh. Uh, he never thought of just
2: taking an airplane, right, I guess? But he's, uh, That's he, right, because because of the thousands and thousands of flights that are in the air every day, they're all faking it. Yeah, yeah it's they're fake. They're all faking it.
0: It's fake. Uh, he had a problem with the Bureau of Land Management because he tried to launch himself from public land. So he says there was a no-go in public land. <laughs> But his Facebook page says that he's going to launch February 3rd.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, okay. boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> a... well, you know, if he if he moves himself, he can probably launch from the Bundy Ranch. <laughs> he probably could. Well, he's got
3: to get this in before the end of the world, which is June 24th. So yeah, exactly. he's got to, you know, ah. get everything he wants in place I'm before the end last of the world. Yeah, right? I'm sure yeah. that's why he's doing it now.
2: How <laughs> so, does he do it? Like, I, I don't understand. When you're putting up with that much ridicule, because he's got to be taking it, man. He's got to be taking it in the chin. No, these people
0: live in a, in a bubble, right? He lives in a right. society that supports him. And, you know, the...
2: How do you support it being a flat Earth? How do you... There's a lot of people that there believe are lot in that. a of st- There is a no, flat think- Earth
3: society in Canada, know, and they're very
2: active. We need a spherical Earth society to mock the flat Earth society. <laughs> yeah, the spherical Earth society is the rest of the
0: globe. And the rest of the... <laughs> Normal people. Honestly, really?
2: The Earth is flat.
0: Yeah, well, when you see an eclipse, don't you see that instead of it's a disc, the shadow of the earth is actually a disc. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I see. Not.
0: Did you guys hear that the uh, prime minister announced Canada will double its contribution to the Global Partnership Education Fund? Yeah. How's, I how's he going to work an apology into that? <laughs> 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 Apparently another $180 million in uh, 2018 to 2020. Uh, money will help the girls' education and uh,
2: a lot of that in developing countries.
0: So, uh, Good. Right. yeah, Thanks for Trudeau.
2: And you made that a, You want to help those girls? You fly them to Canada and give them citizenship. That'll help those girls. Yeah, we Trying to educate them in the countries they're in, The uh, sorry for the Trumpism again, but the shitholes, uh, is a waste of money. Bring them here, set them up, educate them, and let them become world leaders because they are not going to do it from where they're at.
3: Mm, I have to disagree with you
0: well, time will tell if that's worth of money or not um, did you guys uh, this is this is interesting there's been a major Australian study with eighteen hundred papers that have shown that homeopathy is ineffective.
2: <gasps> Shocker. Oh, no. Oh,
3: no. 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 Us- only 1,800? Come on now. And <laughs> we're it supposed to so accept
0: that? <laughs> the Australian National Health and Medical Research Council only found 225 out of the 1,800 were rigorous enough to actually analyze. And the, the conclusion was, quote, No good quality evidence to support homeopathy as being effective in medical treatment.
3: Well, that shouldn't stop anybody from going ahead and using the (laughs) homeopathy exactly. anyway.
0: Exactly. Uh. Exactly. Uh, So that's going to be interesting. I guess it's another nail in the coffin of uh, the alternative medicine that is uh, homeopathic treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been taking a beating lately. And did you see that story about the Hawaii civil defense mistake?
3: Oh, wasn't that awful?
0: Uh, that was oh a, that was absolutely av- a, unbelievable. A false alarm, and the alarm stated, "Quote, emergency alert: ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill."
3: Oh, it scared. Can you I mean, imagine? You that? Oh, scared the pants off. So how do
2: you even put how like many that people? Out? Like how how would you ever? I... It's not even like pulling the fire. I mean, you can accidentally pull the fire alarm. How do you accidentally put a ballistic missile alert out? Well, it's because... But they found
0: w- a way. What they, did, what they did is they were doing a drill. And when they're on the computer doing the drill, the, you know, they're opening a window, and, you know, the they, they, they kind of scroll down, and you, you send that message internally. But by scroll, by when the, what the uh, the employee did is mistakenly set it out instead of... Internally. Oh my gosh! So it so went out it to went all out? the phones in Hawaii, and people outside the public. You know, there's 1.4 million people in Hawaii. All of a sudden, or get everybody's phone is buzzing and getting yeah. that. Oh I could just imagine the nightmare.
3: Yeah, oh, it, it was awful. I think that, that they have taken steps to prevent that from ever yeah, exactly. happening again. But then after that, wasn't there another incident that was similar? Oh, I don't
0: know. I don't know if there was or not. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, it's 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 good to know that in a way they're they're preparing for something like that because well, it's good to know that
2: they had all that. Mel- I mean, the messages all went out. They went across the radio. Yeah, across the television. It went across everything. So yeah, guess what? Your civil alert system works. Um, it a lot of anxiety there yeah. for
0: a couple of minutes. Yeah. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the the military says that if there was a real attack from North Korea and people would actually have about 12 minutes so yeah,
2: a,
3: the worst 12 minutes ever
2: yeah yeah so on, so so you're, you're on a chain of islands exactly what's 12 minutes going to do for you in the first place yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You open a cold one and just sit back and watch the fireworks, or sit down on the beach with a cold one, yeah. in your chair and well, face North I Korea. I mean, you know, what you should do. <laughs>
0: you might but see the what missile else coming. Can in. you do? <laughs> I, 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 could, I could just, yeah. It's, it's a scenario. It's let's a nightmare hope, scenario.
2: Let's
3: hope not.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine let's us in the middle of recording not. a show and buzz, buzz, the phone rings and all of a sudden there's like inbound missile coming to Abbotsford. Well, we probably deserve it, but anyway, I could just imagine <laughs>
2: heaven. Abbotsford. No.
3: Again?
0: the comments of Kevin are unnecessary. Always have at least <laughs> a oh. oh
3: goodness!
0: So, my dear Nancy, you have, you have another uh, top ten for us today.
3: I do. This is gonna. This is. I think. I think this is really interesting, and uh, for all of our listeners, get a piece of paper and get a pencil, or else you're going to have to replay this several times to get the good information that I am about to impart, because what we're doing on today's Top 10 is talking about the 10 best scientific books of 2017, and we're, we're real scientific wonks on, on our show, so this should, this should be fun. This should really be fun. And this is in no particular order because the categories are all over the place. Okay. Okay, so the first one is um, a book by an author called Andy Weir. Andy Weir wrote a book called The Martian. Is anybody familiar with him? Yes. Yes. Okay, well, he he has a second novel called Artemis, which is centered around um, a feisty young Saudi Arabian who moves to the first city on the moon when she was a little girl. So that's the that's the premise, and she's swept up into high stakes heist on the aluminum colony she calls home. And Ware says he wanted the story to be a little different from his first hit. Did you like the the um, the, the
0: um? Well, I did read the book. I saw I okay. saw the movie. Uh, oh, okay. And I can't help but make that little reference because I also saw later on there was a a video of uh, somebody apparently. Um, uh, had had fun and calculated how much money it would cost the Earth to save Matt Damon, because in, in a lot of, in a lot of movies Matt Damon is one being rescued, whether it's The Martian or Saving Private Ryan or or, or other of his movies, he's true. the one being rescued. It, and it, apparently, it's true.
2: He, apparently he gets himself into a lot of trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> apparently, yeah. it's costing the Earth a lot of money to save Matt Damon.
2: Uh, so, th- so
3: it's possible that Artemis will also be made in, into a movie if the first one. First one was a hit, so that's a that's a Absolutely. book that's a, it's a good sci-fi book um, about uh, life in space that anybody wants to. Okay, something totally different. Um, Henry David Thoreau died in 1862, but some of his never pu- before published journal entries are included in a new collection, which is a delightful illustrated ode to animals called animals <laughs> so the um the uh that's interesting it is and the um the the thoreau's journal editor wrote about the new collection and it's supposed to be uh, really outstanding it's something that people don't really realize that he wrote so all the thoreau fans out there that's a good book uh, it's called animals that you might want to add to your collection and this here's a fun one. This is another book that a husband and wife pair wrote um, about the future uh, of tech and this is an illustrated guide called Soonish. Soonish. And the Soonish, um, Soon-ish. and the married couple uh Kelly uh, parasite ontologist and her husband Zach, who is a cartoonist, detail weird ways that tech could improve and or ruin everything in the book. So it's part comic, part good. crystal ball style prediction engine, and the book tackles the future of emerging technologies, both imaginary and not so far off so there's a, an interesting book for anybody that um, you know likes kind of weird and wonderful illustrated things about could a, it, it, it could or couldn't or shouldn't <laughs> happen. very good. Okay. Um, now there's a nonfiction book, and I've heard about this one, and it really is supposed to be a, a good one. It's called Code Girls, the Untold Story of the American Women Code Breakers of World War II. Anybody hear about that one? No. Oh, that's supposed there's to be great. There's a
2: show about uh, these women. Yeah,
3: th- th- well, that was Hidden Figures, but that's a different it's a totally different. Yeah. These are these are the code Never breakers.
2: Never even heard about these ones in the states.
3: Yeah, these these women were um, single, college educated, crossword puzzle loving women who were secretly enlisted to decrypt World War II messages wow, for the neat. U.S. Yeah, and that um, book is written by a. Uh, let me see who's the author of that one. Uh, I don't have the don't have the author really quote cool, but it's called Code Girls. Oh, I'm sorry, Lisa Mundy okay. is the author of that one. So that there are uh, she, and she interviewed more than 20 women uh, who were hired by the US Army. Okay, um another book um, is a no, a novella and the author is Nadidi Acafora, and it's a part of a trilogy, uh, and this and the the um, it's called Binti Home. Has anybody heard no. of, of that one? No. Yeah, this is um, a, um, a a a. Um, a uh, space art—not od- a space odyssey, but a um, uh, sci-fi—and it ha- it's a sequel to a book that he wrote in 2015 called Binti, and it won the Nebula Award and the Hugo Award for best science fiction wow. novella. Interesting. You'd think uh, you know he would be more well known yeah, with that being yeah. but uh, but that's okay. He made the list this year. Okay, now. This is an interesting one. Uh, Kim Stanley Robinson imagines what it would be like to live in New York once it's underwater. Ooh. And it's called New York 2140.
0: And much fresher sushi.
3: Yeah. yeah, so the, uh, Robinson uh, usually sets tails in outer space, but he imagines a life in underwater New York 120 years in the future when sea levels are on track to rise two to eight feet by the end of the century. So it's working on, on that, that premise. Would that appeal to anybody? Does that sound like a book anybody? That sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. I think I would read it. Under the sea. Yeah. Okay. Next one. A bird lover... Um, named Richard Prum wants to change the way we think about Darwin's theory of evolution, and his book *The Evolution of Beauty* reminds readers that mating is a tricky business and isn't just having the fittest feathers or the most practical wings. But birds and people are picking mates and feather- furthering species for a host of for a host of other wacky reasons. So he gets in into birds. Anybody here a bird lover? Any board? We're no, we really know it. Yeah, but it goes into some of the things about Darwin, so it, it must be interesting. Evolutionary
2: traits and, and breeding, right? That's yeah. interesting.
3: Yeah, and a farmer whose name is Wendell Berry um, has a book that is um, called The Peace of Wild... Things. Oh, he wrote a piece of wild things, and now he's he wrote an art of loading brush, and the this art is about loading th-
2: brush. Yes. This sounds like something that a few farmers I know need <laughs> when they're clearing their land. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but the, the interesting thing is that the title is kind of misleading because it's a, um, it's a book that comes to terms with life in a divided America, and it's a collection of essays and stories. Uh, he's a Kentucky farmer, and uh, he shares his thoughts on why living close to the land matters and hopefully uh, looks toward a future uh, with local economies that thrive. Okay, here's one for you, Kevin. Okay um a sleep expert who's given advice hey, what does yeah. that mean <laughs> to the NBA, NFL, Pixar and Google explains why you really should get eight hours of sleep every night
2: oh
0: I wish
3: and his book is called why We Sleep. So that's when you got to put on on well, your list. Hey, I'm
0: not disagreeing. I no, I, you no, know, I really you're always like talking... to go for eight hours. I just can't sleep that's more right. than five.
3: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the uh, the author calls himself a sleep diplomat and practice when he preaches I like that. Okay, after a year aboard the International Space Station, Scott Kelly describes what it's like to live in outer space with his book called Endurance. So that's uh, an interesting. I wonder uh, how
0: much bone density you lose after a year in space. Wow! I mean, when you come back to Earth, the full gravity and all that—it must be like terrible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's
3: an interesting. I mean, the Kellys—they're they, twins. They're, they're interesting, 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 interesting people. Both of them are mm-hmm. are astronauts. Okay, still up in space, and as NASA astro, astro, oh my gosh, I'm can't talk asteroid hunter carrie nugent has a book that started out kind of like a ted talk Um, and but this one is called asteroid hunters and it's a quick study guide for anyone curious how the science of hunting and mapping asteroids work anybody here interested in asteroids yes yeah oh then that's a that's gonna be very
0: interesting to mine that's for sure
3: carrie nugent Asteroid Hunters. Very good. Okay, here's one that I've heard about uh, in 2017, and I think is really a fascinating book, and it's Leonardo da Vinci and well, it, by old, Walter you. Isaacson. I've heard stellar... Reviews of that of that book. It really is an in-depth. He's done other studies, biographies of other famous people, and so this is his latest on Leonardo da Vinci. So I think that would that would be one I I'd put on my list the, for da sure. Da
0: Vinci is very charismatic and very attractive as a figure and as a genius of the past. Yeah, and, and mysterious too. We we know we know a lot, but we know little about him too. Yeah, that's true.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's one um, for for sure. And the the author is um, Walter Isaacson. If you want to look that one up, okay. Here's one by one of our favorite people, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and his right on astrophysics physics for people in a hurry. <laughs> what a good title. A cheat sheet guide to some of the biggest cosmic questions. How did the universe form and what is dark matter? So Very that's good. That's good. Just a couple a couple of more, but these are all really good books. Um Derek Thompson looks into the science of hits and flops in a book called Hitmakers, and he details how our most basic evolutionary needs to belong, to escape, to aspire to understand and to be understood have been driving everyday decisions about what's cool for centuries. So anybody's interested in culture, pop culture and things like that, hit makers, then it's that's Very a good. science. Very good. Good. Okay, two more. I like. I like the title of this one. Uh, journalist Marin McKenna explores why American chickens have been taking antibiotics for decades and what that means for our health. And the title of this is the. It's not the big chicken the incredible story of how antibiotics created modern agriculture and changed the way the world eats so she looks at how she takes a deep dive into how drugged-up chickens have forged a path for antibiotic resistant bacteria to travel from poultry farms to into our lives.
0: And maybe we can finally figure out why they crossed the road.
3: Why they crossed <laughs> exactly. Trying to get
0: away from the
2: antibiotics. To get away exactly. from the
3: That we've answered the question. We don't have to read the book. Forget about it. Throw, it's done, it's done. Throw the chickens to the wolves so we don't have to read that book. And the wolves okay. will
2: get sick. That's not very nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Last book. John Green, who wrote The Fault in Our Stars is back with a story about navigating teenage love and obsessive-compulsive disorder in his book, Turtles All the Way Down. And it's the story of a 16-year-old on a quest for a missing billionaire who's also dealing with a crippling fear of microbes. So a varied list. Which one stands out? To, uh, to any one of you, is one you'd really want to, you know, cuddle up with on a rainy day and read.
0: Oh goodness! Well, you know, I, I as much as the sleep one would be interesting, I am afraid I would probably fall asleep on it too. Uh, the asteroid, I think, but would, that, be, would, would be ast- good, that, that would be good. That would be good. Yeah, sleeping. use the sleep, the, the book to, to to put me asleep eventually. <laughs>
3: Tyson. Yeah, I, I would oh, go. Yeah. Through, I would go for Tyson. And, yeah, I also like the illustrated one where they look at different technological in, uh, um, inventions and you know say, is this good, bad, or you know, or should we should we continue with that it? That one or sounds
2: interesting to to get into, to dig into, yeah, and read. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that one, and of course, for me, the one about evolution. Oh, yeah. yeah. of course, yeah.
0: You can't, you can't go wrong with one. Thank
3: you, Darwin. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. We
3: love you, Darwin. Darwin. No matter what they say. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. all right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. But it's time for us that to move on. That's awesome. Thanks, Nancy. To our usual segment we all love called Another Brilliant Moment.
3: Brought, Brought to, to you, you
0: by religion. Thank you, Scott. A couple of nice little stories. Did you guys hear about this... Uh, Mississippi State, you know Mississippi, you know, land of the weird.
2: There's a legislator his name is uh, Credella Calhoun. Well, he, that sounds right out of a book, right now. Right? It does, we're doesn't read, it? We're reading. A Calhoun
0: book, is we? Irish. Well, he has proposed a bill that would force teachers to recite the Ten Commandments at the beginning of every school day. Oh. Because what Mississippi
2: needs in his public school is more Jesus.
3: Yep, yeah, there's not enough. I know.
2: That's right. That way they can end up like... Uh, Ethiopia or Niger or
3: no. I don't think that I I don't yeah I don't think that bill is gonna get too far. I think he's mostly doing it you this know just a rally. This, yeah it's Mississippi. 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 They might step it well, up and say, I had, you know
2: what? You're you're not only gonna read the Ten Commandments, you're gonna read the Lord's Prayer too. Yeah, I, well, somebody's I'm, gonna modify it.
3: I'm thinking that someone in the in the state legislator with a little common sense is gonna say, Hey guys this we're gonna get, we're gonna get our fannies you know uh, uh, sued on it's, this one It's never stopped it's, them it's before It's Mississippi it
0: <laughs> So what used to be an let's opt-
3: follow it because I'm I'm, oh, thinking, yeah, sure. I'm thinking that common sense will prevail and you saying it's, Mississippi, it's, it's Mississippi so let's <laughs> follow it and see what happens I'd like to I, know who in that state can actually spell Mississippi M I S S
2: I P P I No
0: you just missed you just said Mississippi here
3: Oh
2: that's, ah. that's
3: We'll send you to Mississippi. Right. Yes, I'm sorry. I, yes, there's, I,
2: PPI. Yeah, there's four, four S's. Sorry,
3: we're sending you there till you can spell it correctly.
2: Okay. I'm, gonna ah! to go back to, I'm gonna have to go back to. <laughs> the so what used to be school.
0: so what used to be an, optimal mo- uh, an op- optional moment of silence would be required in every public school. A copy of the Ten Commandments would also have to be displayed in every classroom,
2: alongside the already required in God We Trust sign. Uh, and wow. then, but they wouldn't think they would. They wouldn't think of actually putting the Constitution on. Oh, of course oh, not. And then,
0: because his hands was already on the dial, Calhoun decided to turn it up to eleven.
2: <laughs>
0: and the school board of each school district shall require the teachers in that school district to have the Ten Commandments recited aloud at the beginning of the first hour of class each day the school is in session. Any student or teacher who objects to reciting the Ten Commandments must be excused from participating without penalty well at least I thank goodness well, at, at least, least, least there's put, no penalty yeah,
3: least well Mississippi yeah Mississippi is one of one of several states where the Constitution
2: is optional they, they <laughs> must be a little progressive though I mean that you know that's really going a long way to say that a student can excuse themselves from
0: yeah but you know there are social consequences for doing that right so I'm not exactly sure what the benefits of the educational system uh, and to tell kids like kindergarten kids not to commit adultery what what is that gonna do for kids? I don't understand that. Well, have to that. explain it, you know, or they can't make false idols. Yeah, I yeah I'm sure a grade one kid is gonna say, well, "What the hell does that mean?" You know?
3: <sighs> uh...
0: Oh, they can't take God's name in vain, or oh, they have to rest on Sunday
3: doesn't make any difference they'll get so used to hearing the words that it's just going to you know sear into their brains so that they they know that that's the way they have to be as they grow up yeah that's it they don't have they don't they they don't need to know the meaning of it it's just that's what that's what you're supposed to do and that's what you're supposed to say
0: yeah it's not just a horrible idea it's actually illegal Uh, so giving students and teachers the option of opting out doesn't change that Uh, shoving the thing down the throat of every school but it's point. so forward thinking. I mean I mean
2: Christians are just so downtrodden.
3: Well, I know
2: there's there's hope The
3: the reason I have the reason I have this little ray of hope and I realize I'm in the minority here is that Alabama just elected their first Democratic senator. Yeah,
4: of If Alabama,
3: if Alabama can move that far forward you know in, a, in such a short period of time because of what the political cl- uh, climate is I have a feeling that maybe in the next 37,000 years Mississippi <laughs> might be able to take that first step as well I got hope for you Mississippi okay.
0: well you know what I, I'm sorry Nancy I'm going to crush your dreams there <laughs> because what, what, you, what you don't know is this Calhoun guy is a Democrat <sighs>
3: In Mississippi. In Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So
0: I'm sorry, dear, but, you know. He's,
3: he's, probably, he's a conservative Democrat. Yeah, They're exactly. going to have to get a liberal Democrat. <laughs> That's the way it is in the South. Well, we'll see. Moving on. Okay. I'm not crushed. I rise. <laughs> Nevertheless, I persisted.
0: So let's move on from Mississippi to Tennessee. Another bastion of culture All and on. intellect. Uh, there's they a got ten- good grits though Yeah There's a Tennessee man Who told police this week That Jesus Jesus Personally came to him And told him To let him drive On his behalf
2: Oh, okay. oh yes. Yeah. yes 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 yeah. That's right Jesus didn't take the wheel So yeah. Jesus
0: took the wheel Apparently No he didn't Well <laughs> He forgot You know he's, he's used to driving horses With chariots So I guess the car Was a bit much For poor Jesus the result, report local news station WVLT, is that his car, his car veered off the highway and then flipped over five times. I don't know, maybe Jesus should be a stunt driver. I, uh, yeah, five, five times times—that's pretty damn time good. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty Most good. people
2: can't get the car to, well, okay, wait a minute. We live in the Fraser Valley. There's people who flipped a car over on a sunny day going down the highway at 50 miles an hour. Straight. <laughs> They're going straight down the highway. and So, five times, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll believe oh, it. He so, must learned to drive in
0: Abbotsford when the uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol officers uh, say that when they arrive on the scene at the accident 33 year old Chad England was speaking gibberish and trying to flee the scene while carrying a jar (laughs) (laughs) a jar of what it doesn't say. Oh. Police said that uh, England was obviously under the influence of drugs at the time Abby of the crash. normal's brains were in the jar. <laughs> Maybe. Although the man apparently refused to take a blood test. A search of England's car revealed, according to the, uh, the news, 6 grams of marijuana, 0.6 grams of cocaine, a pipe, rolling papers, 3 quarters empty bottle of crown oil, a small empty bottle of Crown Royal and several it's, cans
2: used for pumping. It's the Canadian's coffee. fault. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's Canada's fault. And, and it's and circumstantial, and it's all circumstantial. All and circumstantial. the cops planted the evidence.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Police arrested him and charged him with a of other things: DUI, first offense, felony possession of Schedule Two for resale, possession of Schedule Five or Six, I should say, and possession for of paraphernalia. Officials say that England had no driver's license in his position and that his car was not insured.
3: <laughs> Who
2: needs a driver's license so to you got flip Jesus? Five times. Well, you got Jesus. <laughs> so. Jesus is taking the wheel, so it's not a problem, right? Jesus was not found with the scene,
0: so now he's looking. <laughs>
2: he's, he's on the lamb.
0: He's on the lamb. <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, there's a joke there somewhere. I don't know. Jesus, well, was, lamb. was that? Was that, uh, was that called? The uh, Lamb of God is now going to be pork chops. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus, lamb chops, lamb chops.
0: So, what, what do they call that? Uh, uh, hit and run, or you know, flip and run? I don't know. Jesus, is on the lamb. So, uh, be on the lookout for a Jewish carpenter <laughs> in, in, in Tennessee that uh, seems a bit lost. Oh, uh, and possibly high.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a little drunk
0: oh oh thank you so much for that guys oh this is fun oh, okay okay so let's see let's back a, to quick, reality let's, yeah let's get back <laughs> to reality let's take a quick pause and when we come right back we'll be talking to Phil Ferguson the host of the aptly named the Phil Ferguson show about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency so stay with us Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi philosopher Peter Bogosian and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook
4: page.
0: we're woo free since 2013 you can find us on iTunes Stitcher or Spreaker under Brainstorm or check out our website brainstormblog.net I can't promise you'll always agree with us but I can promise you'll have fun listening to us
3: whoever is led to believe species are mutable
4: will do good service by conscientiously expressing his conviction but only thus can the load of prejudice by which this subject is overwhelmed be removed.
1: so what you know about
4: natural selection
1: go ahead and ask a question and see where the answer gets you.
0: all right joining us online is the host of the aptly named the phil ferguson show he's our man on money he's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer phil thank you so much for joining us
4: yet again on left of the valley well, one out of three isn't bad. <laughs> it's it, it is called the Phil Ferguson show. I'm not so sure about the dresser or dancer thing, but... Uh.
0: That's okay. We kind of use that for everybody anyway, so don't feel, oh, don't feel too, feel too much pressure. <laughs> Uh, Phil, you know, uh, we have a lot of our audience that do know you and they, you're, uh, uh, with your show, The uh, Phil Ferguson Show. Uh, you uh, give a lot of advice on uh, atheism and financial matters. But for those of us that are new uh, to, to, to your show, maybe
4: you'd give us a brief explanation as to what The Phil Ferguson Show is. Sure. It started out as one-third finance, two-thirds atheism. Although a few people have told me that uh, I basically am talking about... Money, politics, and religion. So it's the three subjects you're not ever supposed to talk about. I cover them. <laughs> so, so we do that, but the, usually the opening segment, which will be 15 to 25 minutes long, I will do something either about basic investing of what is a bond, what is a stock, what is a mutual fund, to something like my most recent show. I spent 25 minutes going over the results of the market for the last 12 years And how you could have done in a four different examples of investment strategies and how that worked out while being in retirement and taking out 50 grand a year. Hmm. So uh, it was just kind of a a play because a lot of people have very interesting, I'll call it, uh, notions about how investing and the markets work. So I try to provide a lot of education and information and maybe just a little bit of profanity.
0: Hold on a sec, Phil. Are you saying that I shouldn't just toss all my personal information to you right away and say, make, him, make me a million dollars?
4: They send the check to. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, it's, it's funny. One of the jokes I tell people is the number one rule of Phil Club is never send Phil money. <laughs> uh, good skeptics often ask me, how do they know I'm not Bernie Madoff? And I said, well, the first thing is you never, fa- never send me any money. We set up an account that has your name on it you can see it 24 7 via this magical thing called the internets mm. and at any time you can fire my ass if you're a client and the, the account is still there it's still your name held by uh, td ameritrade brokerage firm not held by phil so i'm not printing out a word document telling you how much you've made it actually can be seen and verified by you and anytime you can take your money away and and go somewhere else
0: Exactly, And also I need to point out, uh, since a lot of our uh, audience is Canadian, we do have some American listeners as well. The information uh, provided on the Phil Ferguson Show
4: doesn't necessarily apply to Canadian laws. Absolutely. Did, did I ever tell you the story about trying to apply uh, for a license in Canada? I You have, but please go right ahead. Well, I'll keep it very short in case someone heard me before, but I, I called some officials and they were just the most delightful and polite people yeah. and said that... Uh, because I'm so small in Canada, I wouldn't have to register in Canada. I would just simply have to fill out all the forms and pay all the fees. <laughs> and I said, but if I fill out all the forms and I pay all the fees, how am I not registered? And they're like, well, you just wouldn't be registered. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it turned out that was going to be something like ten to $12,000 just to play. And like you said, I, I run the risk that I don't know the rules and I could give mistaken advice. It's it's hard enough In the United States, I was just talking to someone that has an annuity and they've had it for a long time. So it's actually grown in value, which doesn't always happen with annuities. It's grown in value and we're trying to figure out what to do with it and how can we get better performance. So in the United States, we have to use two lesser known rules. One is called a 1035 exchange where the annuity moves from one insurance company to another insurance company that has lower fees and expenses and allows me to manage it for the benefit of my client. And then we're gonna do another thing called a 72Q, which is called substantially equivalent payments, where they can start taking money out of the annuity without paying a 10% penalty, but you have to do it over five years or more. Hmm. And so it's some kind of, I mean it's, the rules are the rules, but they're kind of obscure and the average person doesn't know them. And by doing this, um, I can make this person five to ten to fifteen thousand dollars more per year uh, for the next decade just by reducing expenses and helping them transition to better investments. Mm. So it, that's kind of cool.
0: Yes, for a guy who drives a Prius, it's absolutely cool.
4: That, that's right. I, <laughs> I uh, save all my money, but the the big fun thing, and since none of your listeners are going to show up at my house, and even if you're close, please don't show up at my house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Right after we're recording this, the, uh, in a day or two, we're having a birthday party for my wife, and we decided it's going to be an 80s theme, so we had to buy a whole bunch of alcohol that was popular in the 80s. Oh, God. So we have a bottle of Goldschlager. I don't know if that was a big thing mm-hmm. for you in the 80s. Uh, Rumple uh, We're going to make Alabama Slammers, Long Island Iced Teas, Amaretto Stone Sours. Just have a lot of fun with it. uh but uh, we had to go buy all this stuff.
0: Oh, God. And this is going to be a horrible end of the, of the evening, you can predict right now.
3: <laughs>
4: well, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, encouraging people to stay over. So we've got some air beds and extra mattresses and foam pads. Uh, so no, 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 no. You need a waterbed. To have a little extra fun. I don't want them driving anywhere.
0: Yeah, I think you need a waterbed
4: if you're going to go yeah. for the ladies, right? That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because nothing better than being drunk on a waterbed. Absolutely. What could go wrong?
0: <laughs> it's a fabulous podcast. I highly recommend the Phil Ferguson show. Uh, it's, it's quite unique, and it's in its job uh, its by itself to talk about money matters, something you don't really hear in, in the uh, atheist community. And uh, Phil is quite the character, and uh, he's well, we absolutely love him. But, Phil, today we are talking about cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin's yeah, I... been all over the place, all over the news, and I have the—I f- don't have the slightest clue as to what a cryptocurrency is to begin with. So let's start there. What the hell is a cryptocurrency?
4: Well, I started this journey because a now former Facebook friend uh, came on my wall and said that I was in violation of my... Legal fiduciary responsibility. If I didn't take ten percent of all of my clients' money and put it in cryptocurrency, what? And I thought they were insane and a rude prick while at it, and uh, started learning more about it. Because I mean, I've heard Bitcoin over the years, like many people have, but never really dug into it. So some of the basics of how a cryptocurrency may work, and there's a lot of different types. So some of this commentary will be specific to Bitcoin. There is, so like if I owe you five bucks. Yes. uh, You might write on a piece of paper, Phil owes me five bucks and I might write on a piece of paper that I owe you five bucks. When I finally pay you the five dollars, I write that I've paid you the five dollars and you write that you've been paid the five dollars and those can be considered in the most simplistic form, a ledger where you're keeping track of the change of money back and forth between multiple parties. Mm. And so one of the clever things about Bitcoin actually is what's called the public ledger or the shared ledger where it's not just you and I know that I owe you $5. Everyone in the fucking world can know that I owe you $5 Hmm. and anyone in the world and everyone in the world can verify and see when that debt is paid. And that's kind of cool. So one of the, motivational things about this is it's not controlled by a government or a bank. It's distributed like the internet itself and anyone who wants to participate in the system can do that and track these transactions. And if you want to track a whole bunch of transactions, they're put together in what's called a block. So it's a certain amount of data that so many transactions fit in one block. And you have to verify that block of data. And to verify it, you have to solve a very complicated cryptography problem because they don't want you to solve it too quickly because every time a block is solved, approximately once every 10 minutes, more bitcoins are distributed to whoever solved it. And so your payment for doing the work and verifying the transaction is some more bitcoins. Well, they only want to give out so many bitcoins every 10-minute interval, so they have to make the solution challenging. And that's called mining, and okay. when Bitcoin first came out and it was one penny or five pennies or 50 cents a unit, you could solve that on a regular old laptop PC and actually have a chance of being the first one to solve it. And you could get some Bitcoins.
0: So well, so if, I, if I'm correct here, Phil, what, you, what are you saying here is as compared to the regular fiat currency where a dollar represents uh, a value against the petrodollar in this case or a or unit of gold. This Bitcoin represents you solving an equation.
4: Well, what kind of dollar were you talking about? The the regular dollar, the fiat dollar. So if you mean American dollars, I don't know about Canadian dollars. American dollars aren't backed by gold.
0: No, no, they used to be, but now it's
4: backed by the the petrodollar, right? The petrodollar, what does that mean? No, okay. (laughs) You tell me, you're the expert i i I'm gonna say that uh, the American dollar is backed by the full faith and taxing authority of the United States government okay so uh now you could argue that the u s dollar has some intrinsic value because the United States does own land and oil and gold, but there's nothing officially tying the dollar to any other material oh okay formally uh, so that's one of the big complaints and one of the things that cryptocurrency could try to solve and people will tell me i don't like the dollar because it's not backed by gold well the funny thing is bitcoin is not backed by gold either so it doesn't solve that problem Mm -hmm. Uh, they don't want it to be trackable well bitcoin is very very difficult to track but it's not impossible to track so they didn't really solve that problem and they want the transactions to be quick and easy and convenient and free well, they were when no one gave a shit. Mm-hmm. And as soon as a lot of people started transacting in Bitcoins, you, you have this bottleneck where this block, this block of data is a certain fixed size. So the more people that want to be in a block, the longer you have to wait for your block to come up or you pay a fee to get to the head of the line. And at its peak in late December and early January, people were paying as anywhere from 40 to $80 per transaction. So if you wanted to buy a $10 Starbucks coffee with Bitcoin, it'd be $10 plus $80 to make the transaction go through.
0: Holy crap.
4: And so as a currency, and I used to say that Bitcoin is not a currency, and some of my very, very clever listeners made arguments and convinced me that I was wrong. Bitcoin is a currency. It is a really fucking shitty currency. So, okay, we'll move on from there. Uh, So when you're a miner and you successfully solve one of these equations... You get paid currently 12 and a half Bitcoins, which could be a lot of money. But the entire world is trying to solve the same block that you're trying to solve all at the same time. And so the odds that you, just a guy with a computer or even fancy schmancy $5,000 Bitcoin mining hardware are going to actually solve a block before anybody else are so small that you're probably never, ever going to solve it and you're out thousands and thousands of dollars and you never get anything back for it. Mm. So people started creating pools where you would join up with hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of other people like yourself, and you all use your computer power, and when one of you happens to hit the 12.5 Bitcoins, which give or take today is worth 12000 a piece, that's $144,000. You then all split the proceeds. And so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, But... As the transactions get harder, or because more people are trying to solve them, they have to be harder to make sure they're only solved once every 10 minutes on average. And so it is like a dog chasing its tail. The more people that use Bitcoin, the harder the solution, the more power you have to use, the more computers, the more value it has, and it becomes kind of like this self-fulfilling bubble kind of thing. And the problem is that if you weren't paying the fees, you can end up waiting days for your transaction to clear. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a Starbucks branch, you don't want to take Bitcoins because you don't want to wait days to get your money. Yes, of course. Uh, And so it becomes a problem. And the more people that use it, the harder it is to resolve. And another one of the things that what I call Bitcoin aficionados in a very slightly derogatory way, like about Bitcoins, is that eventually there's a limited supply and you can't ever make more because they're concerned and paranoid because they watch Fox news too much that the United States government can always print more currency by vote by choice, which they can. It's true. I think there's some valuable reasons that you want to have that flexibility. But if you really have a concern with that, you could use something like Bitcoin, which might have a limited supply. And the theoretical top end limit is 21 million Bitcoins. And when you get there, there's never any more. The ironic thing is in calendar year 2017, the U.S. money supply shrank because things are better than they were 10 years ago. And the government is redeeming some of the money that it created, pulling it back. And the money supply shrank while Bitcoin supply increased by 4% because they keep being handed out. So we're not to 21 million yet. We're at 16 million. Hmm. So if your concern was that there's an increasing supply, Bitcoin has a 4% increasing supply, whereas the U.S. dollar shrank in 2017. So that problem is not solved by Bitcoin. Uh, At the rate of power consumption and the growing power consumption, if Bitcoin continues to grow at the rate that it did in 2017, it has been estimated by February of 2020 the worldwide use of electricity to mine Bitcoins or to solve these crypto- uh, cryptographic problems to be able to verify a block every 10 minutes would use more electricity than the world produces today in total. My God. So it cannot succeed. And there are a lot of Bitcoin users that see this and they understand this. And this is another thing that blows people's minds. Bitcoin is all based on a bit of code, computer code, mm-hmm. and it's publicly available for anyone to see. And there's a limited number of people that have access to be able to modify it. So at any point in time, the code can be modified and the entire system can be changed with a bit of code, which should scare you. It scares the shit out of me.
0: Does that mean mean if somebody modifies the code, all of a sudden these bitcoins that are out there are worth nothing?
4: Well, not necessarily, but it could double the quantity of, of coins that are available. It could change... How, how fast you can process them. It could change how many you can process. And one of the arguments was to increase the size of a block by eightfold. And so every 10 minutes, the number of transactions that are confirmed is eight times bigger, which would help eliminate the bottleneck that was growing. Mm-hmm. And it's controlled by vote, by all the people that are putting computer power into the mining or into these pools, And it just so happens, depending on who you ask, the pools are anywhere from 58 to 68% of the voting power is currently located in China. Oh. So if that doesn't scare you, I mean, if none of these things yet scare you, we'll just wait. (laughs) Um, So they had a group of people that wanted to change the amount, the size of a block by a factor of eight, and they were voted down. And so what they decided is on a certain day, I think it was July of 2017, they had a schism to make it a religious analogy or what they call it a hard fork, where the entire shared journal, all of history split into two. So, I mean, historically you have the same Bible, but one now has the Book of Mormon and one doesn't. Okay. And the one that split off increased the size of the block by eightfold so they can more easily process transactions. And that was called Bitcoin Cash. And so now you have Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. But what it means is when that hard fork happened, there were, give or take, 16 million Bitcoins. And the next day, there were 16 million Bitcoins and 16 million BlockCoin Cash coins. Hmm. So the number of coins available spontaneously doubled overnight. So if one of the reasons you want this is because there's a limited supply mm-hmm. and the US increasing the supply of currency by 3 or 4% in a year haunts you what do you think of it doubling overnight Yeah exactly by a vote That that's bizarre that defeats the whole purpose Now since Bitcoin has started last time I looked there are now 1400 different cryptocurrencies Including Doge Coin, which was meant as a joke, and it's now worth two billion dollars cumulatively. What? Uh, there's a thing called Kodak Coin, where you can buy coins to protect the copyrights of your pictures. And companies have added Bitcoin or blockchain to their name, and the stock of legitimate companies doubles or triples overnight. It's just crazy time. I mean, the, the, companies don't suddenly become worth two to three times what they were yesterday. Hmm. But it's happened to their prices just by adding the word blockchain. That that
0: That's so bizarre.
4: Yeah, and so we're going back to the world of pets.com where back in the late 90s, pets.com never made a profit, was never going to make a profit, and its stock went up, 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 and people would say things like, it's a new paradigm. It's a new world. Companies don't have to make money to be worth billions and billions of dollars. Well, if you take every single cryptocurrency available at the time I did this research about a month ago and converted all U.S. dollars to cryptocurrencies, the average cryptocurrency would be worth about $2. Now, when I talk to somebody that's really into cryptocurrency, they say, Phil you're being disingenuous because the vast majority of those currencies are bullshit. And I go, well, we agree on that. (laughs) Now, if, if let's say 90% of them are bullshit, how do you figure out which 10% are have value and what makes them have value when everything else doesn't, because you just said they're all bullshit and there's no meaningful distinction between ones that allegedly have value in their mind and the ones that don't. So when you trade a Bitcoin, The only thing that makes it have any kind of value whatsoever is the fact that you can sell it to somebody else. If the demand dries up, there's nothing preventing Bitcoins to going back down to five cents a unit. Hmm. It has no intrinsic, what they call intrinsic value, which is how one can evaluate the the price of a stock as an example. Uh, And someone will say, well, you could argue that the US dollar, the fiat currency doesn't have an intrinsic value and i go you could argue that but now i think you're being disingenuous because the american government does own things and could liquidate some of them if the dollar was deemed to not be valuable for some other currency but that's getting pretty esoteric and yes the dollar could collapse and be worthless it has happened lots and lots of times before and people will say something like 98% of all currencies that have been created by governments in the last 200 years have become worthless. Mm -hmm. Okay, well now in the last 10 years, 90% of all cryptocurrencies have become worthless. Okay, what of it? Mm. (laughs) Uh, So as a means of buying and selling as a currency, it's horrible. As an investment, it has no intrinsic value. And if the mood switches from Bitcoin to some other cryptocurrency, or people altogether decide that these things are nothing other than tulip bulbs, there's no floor to keep value in any cryptocurrency that I'm aware of. Now, someone has told me that Ether or Ethereum is based on individual contracts, and so they're actually backed by uh, materials of tractor or a truck or a factory or a warehouse or a building. Well, that's great. How do you value that? Mm. I I don't know. So... Maybe Ether has some intrinsic value collectively, but each and every individual contract is unique in and of itself. So I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do with that if what I've been told is correct. And and I'm outside of my knowledge sphere with Ethereum. So maybe I'm missing something there. But uh, because of the processing power, the limited distribution, uh, electrical needs, and the cost, Bitcoin cannot, in my opinion, cannot succeed. And it's not like, I'm saying don't buy some now. I'm saying don't own some now. <laughs> if you have it and you've made money, congratulations, sell it now, and get the hell out.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I think you almost preempted my question by saying that because I think a lot of people are seeing uh, Bitcoin as either a currency or as an investment. And I think there's a big difference between the two here.
4: Well, there is. And the thing is that makes this kind of interesting to me is that it's kind of sort of both and kind of sort of neither. So when I talked about its use as a currency, okay, let's assume it's a currency. It's a really shitty currency. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, is it an investment? Well, it's a really shitty investment. Um, And the funny thing is that if you think that bitcoins are going to go up like they did in 2017 and you have some today, you're never going to use them right why why would you buy something for twenty dollars with bitcoins when you think it might be a hundred dollars at the end of the year? You'd be nuts. yeah and there's endless numbers of stories. I think something like the very first official Bitcoin transaction someone bought a pizza with twenty thousand bitcoins. but twenty thousand bitcoins. That would be billions and billions of dollars now. So you hear stories like that yeah in the Bitcoinosphere. And as soon as you get your hands on some, you're like, I'm never using these bitches because they're going to be worth more. And so if it turns out to be an investment, that makes it even suckier as a currency. Because who 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 wants to, to buy something with it if it's going to be worth more? And what we have now is a period of volatility in December, a few days before I did my show. If, if someone wants to hear more of this all kind of like formally drawn out. I did a double episode on December 22nd, a couple of days after Bitcoin was flirting with $20,000 a coin. Mm-hmm. And I gave the same warnings I'm giving now and Bitcoin is now $12,000. Now, does that mean I eventually proved to be right? I hope so. <laughs> but th- there's nothing preventing people from still wanting bitcoins and running the price back to 20 or to 40 or to 50. But it doesn't change the electrical problem, the demand problem, the, the uh, liquidity problem. All these problems don't go away, and they get worse the more people that use Bitcoin specifically. Mm-hmm. Other cryptocurrencies have different rules. And matter of fact, they had a situation with Ether, which is the coin for Ethereum, where they, by vote, they had a change in the code because it's permissible. And this code that was changed had a small error, a small error in it, and it resulted in a whole bunch of Ethereum or Ether going to one individual. And at the time that it happened, this person found out that they had $300 million worth of Ether that they didn't have the day before. Wow! And they took the morally high road and they sent it back to all the people that it came from. However... They made a mistake in how they processed that, and the $300 million of Ether disappeared into the Ether. Oh, no. $300 million, poof, Ooh. gone, bye-bye. And it was discussed and voted on because $300 million is a small fraction of the billions of dollars that theoretically Ether is worth, and everyone decided, we don't want to undo the mistake It happened, and it's gone now. But they could have voted. Uh, There was one, well, I can't remember now if it was a mining company or a a currency exchange that got hacked. And some accounts, what they call wallets, you hold your bitcoins or cryptocurrencies in a wallet. Some wallets got hacked, and their coins disappeared, Mm -hmm. and other people didn't. And this has nothing to do with the individual person not maintaining the secrecy and security of their own personal private key that locks the wallet but the actual exchange which has your information got hacked and so some accounts got wiped out some didn't and the exchange decided to be fair to everybody all accounts should fall 36 percent in value so even if you didn't get hacked into Mm -hmm. you lost 36 percent of your portfolio or your wallet because the place holding your wallet decided you you did well And that really upsets the libertarian types that are likely inclined to buy something like Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. And, of
4: course, it's curious because they, they, you'll hear someone say, I don't care about fiat currencies. They're dead to me. They're worthless. I just made $10,000 American in Bitcoins. What? If you don't care about U.S. dollars, why are you so happy you made U.S. dollars? Well, that was about to say, you know,
0: once you get your, your Bitcoin, you make $10,000. Aren't you going to convert that into real
4: money at some point? Well, if you believe in the new world where Bitcoin will be the currency, you'll just buy and sell and and eventually you'll get paid. And one of the other things I had in my show is that when companies start paying employees in Bitcoin and taking that transaction kind of off the grid so that the government can't see or collect taxes on your wages or your Mm -hmm. purchases. Mm hmm. Are you fucking serious? You don't think the government's going to come down and bust your balls? I mean, that's your fucking done deal. And uh, cryptocurrencies have gotten so big as a part of the economy in South Korea, and by big, I mean like three or four or five percent. The uh, South Korean government a couple weeks ago raided half a dozen exchanges and collected records and computers and books, and they're now auditing them all for fraud. Because if you want to do international money laundering, a cryptocurrency is the ideal way to do it. Uh, China recently announced that they will require all Bitcoin mining operations, all cryptocurrency mining operations in and in, uh, in Canada must end because they're using so much of the electricity that's produced in China that almost a billion people are at the risk of not having electricity because a few thousand people are getting rich using the electricity. Goodness so it changes the scales of things. I mean, people are willing to buy fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars of equipment to mine bitcoins because they think they can make a hundred thousand in Bit- in bitcoins, which they might actually be able to do currently, but otherwise, you would never spend seventy thousand dollars on this equipment, and if you can't use it to mine some cryptocurrency, the value of that equipment is a fraction of what you paid for it, mm-hmm. and you get wiped out,
2: yeah,
4: so. It's a very fascinating thing, and and I just, I'm not interested in it. Maybe it's because I don't understand. Oh, that was one of the original things with Bitcoin is it's so simple and straightforward that anyone can understand it. And then I'll have people tell me, well, Phil, the only reason you don't like Bitcoin is because you don't understand it. I'm like, well, if it's that simple, how can I not understand it? Yeah, exactly. So it kind of sounds like the emperor's new clothes when someone tells me, you're just not smart enough to see the value.
0: Oh oh yeah, thanks a lot, buddy.
4: Okay. Hmm. So that's some of my thoughts and concerns with Bitcoin and there have been multiple famous multi-million dollar situations where bitcoins have been lost, stolen, disappear. Um, it's just problem after problem. And a lot of people in the community kind of treat it as like, well, you know what, if you lost your security key, if you lose that, even if you've got a million dollars in bitcoins, if you lose that, that key, that code of numbers and letters, if you lose that code, you lose the million dollars. Tough shit for you. Well, fucking sucks to be a dumbass. There's no, there's no one for you to go to. I mean, and, and, you know, you point out this, uh, illegal transactions and someone say, well, people rob banks and people use us dollars to buy drugs all the time. And I go, Yes, yes, they do, and there's always going to be that factor. So there's some merit to what they're saying. But if someone hacks into my brokerage account and I lose $100,000, I can file a claim against the the, uh, trading firm, against the insurance for the brokerage account, against FDIC, and it may take some time and it may take me hiring an attorney, but I can get my $100,000 back because I'll be able to show I didn't get it and the company was negligent in letting my money be hacked. But with someone that holds my wallet, it's the wild fucking West. And if your money disappears, shame on you for having it in the wrong place at the wrong time or losing your own damn password. Too bad for you.
0: Wow. I mean, I I know a lot of people don't like government oversight and regulations, but it does come with some caveat of security, too.
4: It, It does. And it's kind of a double edged sword, but it's also one of those things that you get someone that starts a business and it's a successful business and they make products and they ship it all over the world and then when it comes time to pay taxes they go why do i have to pay taxes the government didn't help me build my business well actually uh, they put in the water supply for your factory you know they, they helped run electricity to your building uh, there's an organized system of uh, property rights that's managed by the government so that you could buy a piece of land and know that it was yours and not have it taken away There's fire and police. Uh, There's regulations that controlled and limited your competitors or gave you an advantage. Um, There's a lot of things going on. There's an educational system that educated people that could then eventually become employees to help you make money. Those things aren't free. Exactly. And I kind of see it as I have a moral and ethical obligation to pay my taxes. And it's a really weird thing. This doesn't necessarily apply to Canada, but in the United States – People who make a lot of money. Now, I make a pretty good amount of money. I'm not, like, really, really rich, but I do okay. I just got a big tax cut. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's awesome for Phil, but I don't need it. And I know there's people that make $10,000, $20,000 a year, and they're going to get you know $100 off their taxes. And some of them are fucking excited because they freaking suck Trump's dick. But they don't understand the services and the benefits they're going to lose are more than the one or two hundred bucks they're going to get in tax cuts. Exactly, it just blows my fucking mind. Sorry, okay, um, Zen.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I just I just can't understand this country. What do I got to do to move to Canada, dude?
0: Well, you just have to prefer hockey over baseball and uh, remember that our beer is stronger. Essentially.
4: We'll see. The uh, I don't really care that much about baseball, so I could fake the hockey until I make it. You can uh, totally the beer do that. thing, we we might have a problem because I can't do beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's okay, man. That's okay. We'd love to have you up here. <laughs> Thank you so much, I, Phil, for all that in- interesting information about Bitcoin. Uh, but the mic is all yours. Feel free to plug your show as much as you can, sir. By by all means, go right ahead.
4: Yep. Uh, again, the show is the Phil Ferguson show. Uh, a variety of topics, but two of the main ones are, uh, finance, investing and religion. And I often make the comparison that particularly in the insurance world with variable universal life and annuities and and whole life that it's a lot like religion because they, they scare you, then they sell a solution to you. They take your money and give you much less than you expected as a benefit. And so insurance uses the same kind of process that religion uses. Uh, And, you know, sometimes I've talked about long-term care insurance and why it's a complete terrible ripoff annuities. And I explained the mathematics behind them. Um, They have a thing in the United States called Master Limited Partnerships where you can make money on companies that do the vast majority of their business in uh, oil and natural gas pipelines. who, Who wants... Who wants to invest in that? You, you don't You don't choose that. Someone sells it to you. Um, so I talk about a lot of those things. But then I also have on people like uh, Aaron Raw, Matt Dillahunty, Seth Andrews, David Silverman from American Atheists. And we talk about the problems with religion. Matter of fact, the show I put out today, as we're recording, I talked to an Amish atheist. Ooh. And this guy had the most awesome story. He started out as a Pentecostal. Uh, as a kid, and then became a Mennonite, and then became Amish, and then became an atheist. Wow. And he still considers himself Amish because he farms his land with horses, doesn't have a car, uh, and a lot of things because he thinks that's a more sustainable way to live his life, but he's also come to realize that the religion part of it is all bullshit, so he calls himself the Amish Atheist
0: fantastic and you'll find all that on the aptly named phil ferguson show phil thank you so much for doing all that today for us but before i let you go i have to get you to say hi i'm phil ferguson and i took a left to the valley
4: this is phil ferguson and i took a left at the valley
0: and that was phil ferguson the one and only as raw as he can be and the way he says it right He's got no problem being a bit rough around the edges, but we love Phil. We love Phil. I learned a lot about this whole Bitcoin thing.
3: No? So are we all going to go out and buy Bitcoins
2: now? No, no, we're not. <laughs> we're absolutely not. And well, first off, we can't afford to buy Bitcoin. No. Well, that's true. You, you can buy it in fractions, I guess. Yeah, and bit. it's yeah,
0: and even, even so, I would... You know, once something is in too much into the public limelight, it's already too late for you, I think, to, to buy a Bitcoin.
2: It's yeah, been no, too I late just... for me for a long time, Kevin.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say about that. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining me on the show today. You can follow us at leftatvalue.com. You can send us an email at Uh You can send us uh, a Facebook message, uh, Twitter, at letv Podcast, or you can also follow our sister show, So You Think You're a Skeptic, my old friend, Tyler. Coming up, uh, let's see, where's my schedule there? Next week, we'll be talking to, where is my schedule? I don't know where I am. Yes, next week we'll be having our friend Chris Christensen. Uh, we'll be talking we'll, He'll be coming into The Lion's Den That should be fun
3: That should be fun
0: And on the 10th We'll have our old friend David Fitzgerald will be coming back For his book And as, on the 17th We'll have Luke Fevrin Be talking about The uh, school system And how religion Is trying to seep into yeah,
3: it Yeah we invited him back and That's right And it's good That we'll get part 2
0: And of course On the 25th We'll be doing Our live show at the uh, stage in Mission, and we'll be talking about the whole LGBTQ transgendered, etc., etc., with Dr. Veronica Drance and our old friend Dr. Del Rey. This should be fun.
3: It would, it's going to be interesting. that We're actually going to be live and in person. Yeah, it's going to be with an audience.
0: It's going to be our. Well, it's not going to be our first live show because We've done some stuff at uh, CIVL, but it's going to be a uh, first, first live one for me. Yeah, for well, you. It's, yeah. Li-
3: it's live with an audience. Yeah, we were live at CVIL, but it's not like you know, not like
0: an audience in the room with us, so exactly. that's going to be interesting. So,
3: nobody if, comes with tomatoes to throw. <laughs> <right now. laughs> no. Everybody gets, everybody gets, uh, it, it checked for pro for, for rotten
2: produce. What's that? Said rotten tomatoes being thrown at us while we're trying to do the show. I sure Make hope not. Things interesting. I mean, <laughs> we'll, get some we'll
0: even set to cover up the gear. We'll right? even set up a mic for people there. they actually can talk live to Dr. Ray and Dr. Dranz and ask their questions as well. So that's going to be very interesting.
3: It will be.
0: Yeah, exactly. And hopefully, we can put behind us this whole bigotry about the whole LGBT community.
2: That's, guys, that's a pipe dream, Kevin. But well,
0: yeah. you know, we're gonna we try do our best to to, to, to help with that. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Even though I have my voice is cracking it's, up, it's sorry better than
3: it, better than it was last week.
0: Yeah, exactly. just so. Thank you so much, guys. Until next time
1: fuck that the system is broke down working backwards and the only action or tactic i plan to practice now is to attack on the parties of god's hands are bloodstained millions of murders by believers and they're all in god's name and let me take a sec don't mean it sounds so hateful but i swear to god unintended i find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be skeptic, and non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith, and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be.